Leafs game night live from the Scotiabank Arena. 4-2. The Leafs went over the Columbus Blue Jackets. It wasn't doubt until the very end, and it was a quiet night in the building, and uh, kind of a weird experience that way, but there was a lot of uh, jubilation over the uh, Austin Matthews empty netter that sealed it. Yeah, and I think Matthews is is kind of an example of, you know, what we're going to be seeing from some of these big guys throughout the rest of the you know the regular season my sense from from talking to Matthews from reading about Matthews is he's aware when it really matters he knows that you know he can score 60 goals um, but your legacy is defined by the playoffs and I think that's been front of mind for him all season is that if he can kind of just maintain a you know a, a decent level of performance but keep your body in a place where you can ramp it up come April, which, you know, he has. Um, again, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, and, and that's why I think load management, which I know, you know, is, is kind of a, a popular term, you know, in this arena, especially thinking back to 2019 and the Raptors. But, look, I, I really think we're going to see a lot of that over these last few games. I, I totally agree with you. And the one thing that doesn't really get mentioned is, I mean, he knows his body. He knows how he uh, overextended it in the past yep. and, and what that would have cost him. And, and, you know, I think you could say the same for John Tavares and, and Nylander and, and Marner. They all, they're all well aware of, of what the problems were in the past and, and why, they, you know, they didn't perform. And, and it's on them to do something uh, in these playoffs. So whatever you have to do to get ready for that, and, I mean, we're not going to we, – we've got a lot of the, the last games. They've got, what, five games left? We have four of them. So I, I'm not going to get into a lot of analysis in the four games we do because there's no point to it. The judgment is made in the first round, and everybody, literally everybody, knows that. And if you can coast through a game like tonight and still put up 50 shots. Yeah, if that's coasting, if that's, that's coasting, pretty acceptable. You, you, you have to feel, okay, Columbus is Columbus, and, and they're a team that are in the Bedard sweepstakes. But I, I don't know. It's really, really hard to put a lot of stock into these games and these performances um, because I think mentally every single player um, outside of those that are f- kind of fighting for, for spots in the playoff lineup, every single player is looking at, you know, the playoffs and thinking that's when, again, that's when my legacy is going to be made. Absolutely. And I think... Y- Perhaps that's a we're looking for differences. We're looking for cues, you know, compared to seasons past. And we've talked about how they have a little more jump and and pace in their bottom six, a little more scoring in their bottom six. The goaltending looks to be in a better place. I think there's also an awareness of how to manage an 82 game season that perhaps wasn't there in the past. Sure. Right. You have to remember that. You know, last year, 82-game season. And, and in the past, the two years before that, there weren't 82-game seasons. Right. Right. If you're looking for cues for this, and I'm talking about the core. You know, I'm talking about these this Leafs core really learning what it's going to take. That's why I think last season was such an eye-opener because they were aware of just how slim the margins are. Right? Last last season well, against Tampa was a coin flip. It was, but so was the series against Montreal. I mean, you got a bad Galchenyuk pass. you got a... Travis Dermott turnover, uh, and you got a, a you know a, 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 just a flat line in Game Seven. But that, I mean, that was a, a a strange season. That was a bubble season. It was without, but, without you know fans and. But 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 you know if those one of those passes doesn't get made, if for sure. Galchenyuk doesn't do that. For sure. But I think the point is, is this season they have figured out. I think. Maybe, possibly, maybe, kind of. We're, we'll, we'll see. Well, yeah, the, you know, yeah, we're going to see in games five, six, and seven. 
if necessary. But I think we're, we're not going to see in the first four games. But they look like they figured out how to manage eighty-two games better this year. Sure, but now you know that 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 ends uh, on April thirteenth, and then the new challenge starts. Now you're in the four-seven box. You've been there before. You know you know you can go the distance because you have. You just haven't won. Uh, and you're against the team that, that that eliminated you last year, so now it's answer time. Looks like they've got home ice advantage locked up too, which uh, is is going to be huge. Uh, is it? <laughs> Sometimes I, I worry about that. What worries you about that? Well, because, you know, if, if what happens if you don't win game one, then, then you don't have home ice advantage. But you still have the opportunity for your more favorable matchups. Right. And from that standpoint, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but if it doesn't work, it, then you've got another problem. When I think about, like, matchups and, and home ice advantage against Tampa, that's what kind of makes me wonder if Ryan O'Reilly plays in a third-line role at home. Because then and Sheldon different, Keefe... Different on the road? Yeah, because okay, then, like if you're, then if you're Sheldon Keefe, you can all... You know, you've got last change, so you can always throw out one of Tavares, Matthews, or O'Reilly, like 95% of the time. Yes, or, or depending on the game situation, if you want to move them up, you can too. But, well, to, but to start, to get that rotation through, see where you are after 40 minutes, and then adjust if need be. Yeah, and these are the things we're going to be talking about for the next week and a half, but I just don't know how you can go in, all in, on a player like Ryan O'Reilly, who is the biggest trade deadline acquisition that Kyle Dubas has ever made, and put him in a third line role. I get the un, I like I get the idea of being able to put one of those three centers that I mentioned on the ice. But the, but it's not that far fetched because you're when you when you map out the series, you're trying to win it in seven, right? You're not trying to sweep. As it goes on, you might adjust, sure. but but you you game plan for seven, and and that's the long game would be to have him as your third line center. Don't you like the idea of having ostensibly two top lines, like two number, like it, so. Yarncroc, Matthews, Marner, and then and like and then Tavares, O'Reilly, Nylander. I like it, but it's Tampa, and then the next round's Boston. These two teams have no fear; they've done everything. They're not going to be impressed by that. Well, you don't have to impress them. You have to you have to you know beat them with your speed, right? And you have yeah. to you have to beat them with your smarts. I I don't know. I I just don't I don't know how you can go all in on a player like that and then give him third line minutes. Well, it starts out that way. You, you know, the playoff series is a constant tweak. You, you yeah, do yeah. that. You do that so it lines up. Now, you know, I guess you would want to do that at home because you can control the matchups. Maybe on the road, you, you move them up. It depends on the series situation. The guy who caught my eye tonight was Achari. So I watched him on a forecheck on a, on a dead plate down in, in the, the Columbus zone late in the third period. And I went, look at the pursuit of that guy. He kept the puck from getting out of that zone. And I thought, in a playoff series, that turnover goes in the net. That's a big goal. Noel Achari is, is a player that, first of all, A, the Leafs have coveted for a long time. B, I don't know whether this matters, what, what kind of stock you put in this, a tremendous person. Like, he is just a, a grade-A guy, one of the nicest, you know, more soft-spoken Leafs uh, that I've talked to in years. B, uh, sorry, C, a player that loves being on the fourth line. Right. I, I wrote a story about him a few weeks ago and I called some of his former teammates. Keith Yandel uh, was one of them. And there was a point, um, I believe it was in 2019, where Achari had back to back games with hat tricks. And, you know, teammates were kind of kidding around with him. But, you know, half serious, y- you could be a top line guy now. You could be a goal scorer now. 
And apparently he made some speech in front of the entire room saying, I love being on the fourth line. I was born to be a fourth line guy. And we were talking about this with Ralphie. It's rare to have guys really, really embrace that role. But Noel Achari knows who he is. He knows what his job is. And I think that's a big reason why the Leafs acquired him. And I think that's a big reason why he could be effective in the playoffs. Because as much as you love seeing him in on that forecheck, I assure you Noel Achari loves that so much more. I mean, think of it. Uh, and these are great acquisitions. We'll forget about Ryan O'Reilly for a minute here. That's a big one, obviously. Achari and Lafferty. Uh, and, and Sprinkle and Aston Reese. Did the Leafs ever have these guys before? I don't remember that. No, and I, I, I don't no. think they did. I don't think they had. Like, the, they were always trying to shoehorn guys in. Like, a Joe Thornton is another one, right? He started on the first line, you know, come the playoffs. He was in a bottom six role. And I think what they were trying to do was just rely a little bit bit too heavily on experience right yeah. well, wayne simmons and, was a big part of that too and some on ice leadership I yeah guess. the character thing and yeah. and you know you could even put felino in there as well um as that kind of player but i i don't know i i think they have really and and kyle dubas to his credit every single year has done a really good job at identifying what was missing and they felt in the past you know, and I'm I'm going back to like, you know, those seven or sorry, that eighteen those eighteen nineteen series against Boston, which feel like a lifetime ago. But oh. you know, they they identified that there wasn't enough kind of, you know, character and leadership and so they went in on those kind of pieces and then they identified that okay, those are great, you know, ideas, but if they can't contribute on the ice, what good are they? Right. So you could argue that, you know, that it's that balance that I think Dubas was long looking for and I think this is probably the year compared to every other year that Dubas has been in charge that he's put together a lineup that is as balanced as this one is. Okay, let's uh, let's hear Sheldon Keefe, and we'll, we'll take the long version of this, please. Uh, the bottom six stepping up. That's what you need. I mean, uh, those guys, the, the camp flying with Aston Reese Lafferty in particular, those guys were great all night long, so it was great to see them get rewarded. And in a game like this, when you just have really good habits and details, Things uh, tend to go your way, so it was really great to see that. Those guys have really been working. What did you think of the Tavares, Marner, and Lander line? Oh, they were good. I thought, you know, it's, it's a tricky game, right? We have the puck a lot and, and all of that, but uh, obviously couldn't get one to fall for them. But, yeah, you know, I, I thought they were good. I thought we had good flow with all our lines tonight. Did we get a lot of shots that Joe Wall make up his, his game back up there? Yeah, I thought he was good. You know, he... He fall, falls down and catches an edge there in the first goal, uh, puts himself in a bad, in a tough spot there, of course. But I thought in the second period, you know, there was more action for him, and, and I thought he was he was really good there. Um, held them off the sheet. At the end of the game, he keeps them at two, and when that's the case, we're going to win a lot. Some, sorry, there's been AHL goalies who come in here and, and play well, like the guy in the other net tonight. How big, big picture for Wall to uh, play as well as he did, and maybe. See some more action. Yeah, he should be confident. He's played really, really good for us. You know, I know that last time we, last time we played Columbus in here, I think that's probably one, you know, one of the games that he would want back on that, that he's, you know, that he's played here. So, a little bit of a do-over is a good thing for him. But yeah, he's played well. We got lots of confidence in him. You know, he's obviously he's been a dominant goaltender at the AHL level this season. He's played really well when he's here. Curtis Sanford loves working with him and, and his talent and his work ethic, his athleticism, all these things. There's a lot there. Um, and he just comes in, he's pretty even keel and just goes to work. So it's great. 
What did you did you know if or much of anything about Graves? Uh, I knew nothing. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know Curtis got to work and obviously we're very very connected with our AHL team with the Marlies and they have a lot of information there. But uh, Curtis dug in what he can. But you, whether you know the goalie or not, even when you know the goalies really well, you don't put a whole lot of time in, into it. I mean, you gotta, you, there's a lot of steps before you get to the goalie, and then once you start overthinking, you know, things around the goalie, uh, uh, it's it starts to be at your detriment. So we just wanted to focus on all the things that we could do to get good, get good shots tonight, but we wanted to make it uncomfortable for him, much like we you do every goalie. You know, lots of pucks there, lots of people in traffic, tips, rebounds. All those kind of things, and I thought we did a pretty good job of that. What are you seeing from Zach Esther in the last couple of weeks or so? It seems more than well, I'd say it's been more than a, been, than a couple of weeks. You know, he's he's been excellent. I would say from the trade deadline, and maybe even just maybe in a week or two before the trade deadline, uh, he's really settled in. Um, he, he's played a lot of time with Camp, and those guys have really had a, some great chemistry. They're talking a lot. They know what their expectation is and what we need from them. Uh, obviously, he's scored some some very you know, some good goals for us, which has got his confidence offensively really going, and scoring the right kind of goals for a guy like him. You know, he's not he's not cheating for offense. He's not getting you know odd man rushes or anything like this. He's he's working for it. He's around the net, uh, whether it's pucks hitting him or he's tipping it or he's you know he's finding pucks in the slot. Uh, it's it's all coming from a really good process of working hard being above a puck, being physical, all the while giving up almost nothing defensively. So we've, we've really liked that, uh, that pairing, and we've used Achari there, we've used Lafferty there. Obviously, when we've gone 11-7, and seven, things have moved around a bunch, but those guys, you know, with Kemp and, and Aston Reese, they've been excellent no matter who we've played them with, and Lafferty's fit in really well. I thought that line was terrific tonight. You have a bottom six when you have guys like Aston Reese performing as well as they are. Does it kind of force the hand of maybe looking at the traditionals opposed to the 11 and 7 when you're kind of making that decision going in in terms of... Well, it's part of it, but I think we've talked about it before where, you know, when we've... For the last few weeks especially, anytime we've gone 11 forwards, we've gone with a top six and a bottom five. And the five have just kind of moved around. It's given those guys more ice time. Uh, and I, I think that's part of it too, right? Like Austin Reese and Camp and these guys, and like they're out there a lot more. They're moving a lot more, and uh, they're doing like they're excited by it. They're getting more ice time, so they're wanting to to do well for the team and do well for the coach, so they can get back out there. So having the eleven and seven, I think, has really helped those guys because, like I said, early on when we were doing it, we were trying to get more ice time and, and favorable matchups for the top guys. And we sort of flipped that in the last few weeks where we just we settled on the top two groups. They played together pretty much consistently, except for a game here or there, a circumstance here or there. For the most part, we've tried to just give more ice to the bottom five. And you know, the guys like that, I think, have benefited from it. Just a couple of games so far, but have you noticed any progression development from Nick Abrazinski compared to where he saw last year? Yeah, I have for sure. To me, he looks quicker. Uh, he certainly looks a lot more confident with the puck and assertive. Um, he's just shown in the two games he's played here that if, if he gets the puck in a good spot, he's going to make a play on it. He's confident he plays with his head up. Um, the play he made, the tail end of the power play the other night against Detroit, that's, that's an elite play. Uh, very, very headsy play to set up the yard crock goal. And then here tonight, he, 
you know, he puts himself in a good spot, you know, to give the puck, be prepared to get it back, gets a good shot off. That's uh, a good sequence there in terms of Kempf and, and he playing off each other and, and Kerf following it up. So, yeah, I've seen some growth there for sure. I think, and, you know, they've been thrilled with him now with the Marlies. He's been a very consistent player there. So it's, it's been nice for us to, to get him up here and give him a, the reward of, you know, getting some games. What did you like about six on five at the end? It's blocked a couple. And having Austin out there, I'm not sure how often that happens. Yeah, well, it happens quite a bit with Austin, but you know, we, we probably would have liked to relieve some pressure there so we can get a line change. But um, I like that the guys just stuck with it. The structure was sound. Have to watch it all back. But we've got some blocks. Charlie's you know blocked a couple in there, and then there's enough gas in the tank to win a loose puck battle, and then ultimately Austin makes no mistake to ice the game. So that's you know sort of what you're looking for and. You know, we've some of those situations haven't gone our way here of late, so it's it's good to you know to have the game end that way. I think it's a challenging game here tonight, right? Like we have the puck a lot, we're getting lots of shots, getting lots of chances, yet it's a close it's a close game, and you still have to be really smart and really disciplined defensively. But I think ultimately this is really kind of a perfect game for us in a lot of ways. That it, it we had the puck a lot, we're in control of the game, yet it's still keeping us honest and keeping us you know, playing with the mindset that's going to be required here the rest of the way. Coach Keefe, after the 4-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets, this is Leafs game night live from Scotiabank Arena on TSN 1050 and the Leafs radio network. This is Leafs game night on TSN 1050 and the Leafs radio network. The Leafs live here. And they're pretty happy after a 4-2 win over the visiting Columbus Blue Jackets. Welcome back to Scotiabank Arena. Jim Taddy and Josh Cloak from The Athletic sort of mulling over what was done here for the Leafs tonight. And I think one of the key quotes from Coach Sheldon Keefe at the end of the game was the statement that he, you know, originally when they went with 11 and 7, they were trying to get more time for the top units, uh, and, and that seemed to work. And then they, they gave more ice time to the bottom units on the forward uh, side now that they're uh, back to uh, 12 and 6. Yeah, and we're seeing that, uh, you know, tonight, especially John Tavares, you know, Sunday against Detroit, John Tavares played twenty thirty four, shaved a full three minutes off that tonight, seventeen thirty three. Like that, seventeen minutes is more of like a middle six, you know, kind of ice time. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know what Keith is getting at there, is if you can't go full load management, people are going to be so sick of that term over the next week. And it's a rather half. effective for the Raptors way back when. I, I heard. I seem to remember <laughs> being in this building and. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people being in favor of it. But look, you know, if you can't go full load management, if you can't give all the guys nights off, you can kind of rotate and say, you know, Tavares tonight, it's your turn. Tonight you're going to have three, four minutes shaved off your ice time. He wasn't very effective tonight, but again, as we mentioned before, it doesn't really have to be. Right. So yeah. so I, I, I like that. I like, you know, Keith's motives there because as we discussed before, you need production. You need jam from your bottom six guys against a team like Tampa so because you know you're going to get your guys rolling you know Matthews and Marner have been feeling the pressure long enough you know that they're both having excellent seasons you know that they're going to be able to contribute um if you had to guess which of the the big guys got the most ice time tonight the big guys uh probably Matthews Nylander Really? Nylander, amongst all the forwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and look, I think that's going to be important too. Sure. Right? He, he's a guy that, you know, kind of drew some criticism, some soft criticism from, from Keefe uh, over the last few weeks. And, 
he's a guy that you know could potentially be an x factor so you know i i think that's going to be the key here is if you want to give some of these bottom six guys a little bit you know more ice time you have to figure out how those top six guys work and maybe you give some of them you know reduce some of their roles and and kick up some of the others but um we'll see but it's it's pretty clear that they have become hyper hyper aware of how to like not overextend these guys heading into the playoffs. Well, you know, two two questions I'm going to ask you about the playoffs. Uh, right. You know, what does it take to go deep? Everything, not just parts. Everything, um, and let's not forget about the unlimited overtime. You know, you can get into some real uh, corners in, in overtime situations. So you need the full roster. You don't need the the top end pulling it. You need you need the bottom end pushing too. Yeah, and that's where it gets really tricky. You know, because you're. You're going to have guys that are obviously exhausted in those, you know, kinds of games. Um, I think that's when your goaltending is going to matter that much more. Very um, slim margins when you when you go down to it, you know, in a playoff series. But isn't this, to counter your point, isn't that where home ice matters? If you're going to go, you know, into overtime and you want that final change? I, I just, you know, for the least because of the, the history lesson gets trotted out every year at this time. And, and I'm not being critical of it. It's there. I mean, it's pretty hard to ignore uh, that that first round just uh, frustration is is the nicest way to say it. Frustration but, is a polite way yeah. of putting it, that man. I'm just saying that you know if you open on the road and split, you'd be happy with it. If you opened at home and split, you wouldn't be so happy about it. It feels like you're kind of playing not to lose there instead of playing to win. Oh look, but you're you're not going to sweep Tampa, so so I think you would count on on splitting the first two games in your... regardless of where it's played. My question is, yeah. isn't it more acceptable to to split in Tampa than it is here? I I, I don't know. I, it's a great question. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't see anything wrong if you're the Leafs with trying to to say like, let's not even get, let's not even worry about getting to a game seven, right? If you look at some of these past series, and we're going down memory lane here, yeah. but the Leafs had an opportunity. To oh, win yes. in Game Six, in how many? Not just in Game oh, Seven. Well, every time, wasn't right? It? Yeah. Out, outside of the um, the series against Columbus, where they had to force yeah. Game Five, yeah. right? You go back. The, I think it was the, one of the Boston series where they extended. Boston, they Boston, yeah. they were at home Game yeah. Six, I believe, in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's the they one were at that home in away. Game Six. Yeah. Um, they were up three-two against yeah. Tampa. Yeah. Right. They were up three-one against Montreal. So let's not worry about Game Seven. <laughs> You know, for those at radio land, you can't see Tapman, but there's a large vein emerging in his forehead. That, um, but so let's not worry about what are you going to do in Game Seven. If you're the Leafs, let's think more and more about how do we finish this off early, right? And I, I love talking about this scene in that All or Nothing series oh. uh, against Montreal, but it was Paul McLean talking about the demons. Right, yeah, and they've yeah. got Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. They've got demons under their bed. They've got demons everywhere they go. The best way to eradicate those demons is to not give them a chance to emerge. So I, I understand where you're thinking. Like, like, you know, I, I just don't think the Leafs should be thinking about Game Seven. They should be thinking about not, let's get let, like I guess a sweep mentality yeah. isn't the worst thing. No, no, but I'm not saying you uh, you count on Game Seven, but you better be ready when it happens because there's a good chance it will. 
what are you going to talk about for the next week and a half before the playoffs start? If we're talking about the playoffs it's already. Be, I already asked them to record this post game, and we'll just play it every night because the conversation's not going to change much. So can I bill you multiple times no, for that? No, sorry, guy. That's, this is radio. It doesn't work that way. That's the worst no guy I've ever gotten. It's <laughs> the clearest no guy well, I've ever there, gotten. And you have, you have to appreciate, the reason I was able to deliver it that way was because I've heard it myself several times. Ah. That's just the way the, that's the, so way the, the cookie perver- crumbles. the proverbial stuff rolls downhill. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. it sure does. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, it was fun. It was. Uh, I, I hope we made up for whatever that was on the ice. That was a weird. That was a, like a preseason game for me. It, it didn't have any edge. Uh, there were some things you looked at. And, uh, well, take the rest of the night off, my friend. Oh, I appreciate that. And I want to thank Josh Cloak from The Athletic for stopping by, and we'll be back with the Out-of-Town Scoreboard. Leafs game night at TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network.